amazing 13 years, huh? Like any journey, we've had highs, uh, we've had lows, um, but through all the highs and the lows, uh, there's been one constant, and that is Jesus. He has been faithful to us, he has encouraged us, he's challenged us, he's grown us, and he's been faithful to us as we've continued to be about reaching people for him one person at a time. What will it take for us to see continued impact over the next 13 years? Today, hopefully, we'll answer that question as we take a look at two stories from Jesus. It's interesting to think about what 13 years from now is going to look like. I'll be 50. That's coming sooner rather than later. I just realized, like, um, as the co-founding pastor 13 years ago and now 13 years later, um, what's it going to take for us to see continued impact? Uh, We're going to look at two stories. And if you've got your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Luke chapter 8. And as I'm talking about Luke chapter 8, let me, before we get into Luke chapter 8, let me recap with you where we at last week. Last week we talked about uh, in order for us to understand what a disciple is, we have to go to Jesus' invitation to his disciples because that's where we get our definition of a disciple. Jesus went to a group of men and he said, come, follow me, and I will make you into fisher of men, right? And so we talked about this last week that a disciple is someone who's following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and committed to the mission of Jesus. And we talked about culturally what that looked like in the first century. In order to be a Talmud, a disciple, a student, a learner, you have to be chosen by a rabbi. And a rabbi would come to you and he would say, come and follow me. And that was uh, the invitation to, to live the next however many years with your rabbi. Wherever your rabbi went, you were right there with him. You did everything with your rabbi. You were always ready to learn, always ready to grow. And the goal of a Talmud, a disciple, was not just to know what your rabbi knew, but to what? To what? Remember? To become like your rabbi. Not just to know, but in every aspect of your life, in your being, in your actions, was to become like your rabbi. And to learn your rabbi's yoke or interpretation of the scripture. Jesus talked about my yoke is easy and light, my interpretation of, of God's word. And so a Talmud, that's what a Talmud would do. They would follow closely to their rabbi, so closely that um, when you walked in the midst of the land that they lived where there was no pavement, there was a whole lot of dirt you would see a big cloud of dust. And oftentimes when you would see a big cloud of dust, you would know where that cloud of dust was coming from. It was a rabbi with his disciples that were following closely. And as you followed closely to your rabbi, what would you get covered in? His dust. And this Jewish saying we talked about last week, follow a rabbi, drink in his words, and be covered with the dust of his feet. Because you always were with your rabbi. And the closer you were to your rabbi... And indicated the zealousness from which you wanted to learn. You wanted to become like your rabbi. And so you did everything you could to follow him, to learn from him, to be with him. This week, we're going to take a look at a story from Luke chapter 8. Jesus has been 
out teaching, healing people, discipling his disciples. And then it says this in Luke chapter 8. One day he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. Let's go to the other side of the lake. I want to tell you right away the disciples are probably not really happy about the plan that's taking place. A couple of reasons why. They're going to go to the other side of the lake. Let's take a look at this map. On this map, you can see the Galilee. This is where Jesus spent 80% of his time in his ministry, especially in uh, Capernaum and just the whole Galilee area to the west of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, this is where the majority of his disciples are coming from. And so as he's spending time with them, he decides, we're going to go to the other side. Well, what's the other side? It's that place called the Decapolis. Everybody say Decapolis. What is the Decapolis? The Decapolis is not where good little Jewish boys go. There are not synagogues over there. There are not uh, Jewish, uh, uh, the temple's not over there. It's in Jerusalem. This is a pagan, non-believing, worldly place. In the story of the prodigal son, it said that the, the prodigal son wanted all of his inheritance from his father, and then he went off to a faraway land. What is a faraway land? It's code for Decapolis. What happens at the Decapolis? That's where you lose your faith. That's where you do non-Jewish things. It's where you go to party. It's where you go to do things that God doesn't want you to go and do. And so when Jesus says, we're going to go over to the other side, they're going, oh, we're not supposed to go over there, Jesus. Like, I'm not, we're told not to go over there. Why are we going over there? And not only are they going over there, but they're going over there by way of boat. Why is that a big deal? Because you don't go in the deep waters of the Sea of Galilee. In fact, you don't go in the deep waters of anywhere. You might say, well, they're fishermen. They understood the water. No, no, no. When they fished, they fished in the shallow water. They could see the bank from where they were at. And the reason why is because the water was a symbol to them that meant destruction. It meant darkness. It's where evil resided. It's also, if you know the story of the Israelites, they are not a sea people. Where did they spend 40 years wandering in? In the what? The desert. They're comfortable with the desert. They understand the desert because they understand that God takes care of them in the desert, in the midst of the desert, but we don't go out into the water because water brings destruction. Genesis chapter 1 the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep water where chaos ensued, where darkness ensued. Later on, the world's in a mess and God decides to hit the reset button. And what does he use? Water, the flood. Moses, Moses takes the Israelites out of Egypt and rescues them. And as they're heading to to get away from the Egyptian army that's coming to pursue them, what is the obstacle they come up against? Water, the Red Sea. And what does Moses do? Parts it with the power of God. They don't like water. They don't like deep water. And yet Jesus says, we're gonna use water to get to the other side. It would have taken them at most, a couple days, just walk all the way around. And that's not a long period for them to walk. They walked everywhere. They're not happy about this idea from the very beginning. But they set out, it says. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. 
And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. The disciples are thinking in this moment, of course this is happening. Of course this is happening. This is what happens when you mess with darkness. This is what happens when you, when you deal with the underworld. This is what happens, Jesus, when we decide to do these things. Of course the windstorm comes. Of course we're in this place. And of course our boat is filling with water. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid. And they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this, that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? Now, I'll just tell you this. I've been out into the ocean in a 15-foot boat. Now, when I got into this boat, I thought it was going to be a bigger boat. And when I saw the boat, I was like, I've seen bigger boats on Lucky Peak than, I, than this boat, and I'm going out into the ocean in this thing. And I was actually pretty cool with it, for the most part, until we headed out. And let's just say that it was a little crazy getting out into the, to the ocean. In fact, by the time we got out to where we were fishing, the, you know, um, regulation people on the whole walkie-talkie, I can't remember who they are, the Coast Guard, um, <laughs> They're like, all right, El Waco port is now closed to any boats that are less than 45 feet. And I'm like, I'm in a 15-foot boat, and we just went through that, and I'm alive. Praise Jesus. I can't believe it, right? But I want to tell you, as we were trying to get out of that port, out of those breakers, not adrenaline that was going through my body, not a fears in, in my heart about, are we going to make it? I mean, there were a couple times we hit waves so hard, as much as I was holding on to this frame of this boat, I was literally rocked to the ground, had to get back up. We didn't have water filling in the boat. These guys, they're afraid. Imagine the amount of adrenaline that's been pumping through their body. They're afraid. And yet they're in awe of the reality of what God's just done, what Jesus has just done. But the story gets better. They get to where they needed to go. They decide they're going to go. Jesus is like, we're going to go over to the Gerasenes, which is the opposite of the Galilee, which we saw. When Jesus had stepped out on, line, out on land, when Jesus had stepped out on land, everybody say Jesus. Steps out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house, but among the tombs. The disciples are going, you've got to be kidding me right now. I mean, we almost died, and now we step foot in the land. Jesus steps foot on land, and there's a guy who's demon-possessed that's coming towards us. This is Halloween, guys, right? This is Halloween. <laughs> Sometimes we're going to die. That's what they're thinking. We're going to die. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. 
For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time he had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion. For many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Why? They don't want to go home into the abyss. They don't want to go home into the darkness. They want to go home. Don't send us in the abyss, they ask. But a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter into these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then the people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid." And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. Jesus got in the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. This man who's been healed had demons taken out of him is sitting at the feet of Jesus, which is a a code term to mean he wants to be a disciple. He's acting as a disciple of Jesus. I want to be with you, Jesus. I want to follow you. I want to be one of your Talmud. I want to be one of your learners, your students, your disciples. I want to go with you. Jesus says, no, you need to stay here. And not only do you need to stay here, you need to stay here and you need to tell your story. You need to tell other people. I asked the question, What is it going to mean for us? What's it going to take for us to have continued impact as a church over the next 13 years? It's going to require you to tell your story. It's going to require all of us to tell our stories. For some of you, that means getting connected with people and being brave enough to tell your story. It's going to mean not just coming and worshiping and learning. It's going to mean connecting into real relationship. It's, it's going to mean you sitting down with people and, and telling your story. And some of your story is hard. Some of your story has got brokenness in it. Some of your story has got trauma in it. But Jesus is going to heal you as you begin to tell your story. Some of you have already been healed by Jesus. Some of you have the story of this man that was possessed. You've got brokenness in your life, and Jesus healed you. And you need to tell it for Jesus' glory in Jesus' name. If we're going to make an impact, we've got to tell our story, every single one of us. Telling our story whether that's to an individual, whether that's to a group, whether that's to the masses, just like we watched this morning on this video of people just telling their story 
of what Jesus has done in your life, what Jesus has done in our life as a church. We've got to continue to tell the story. And Jesus is telling some of you, you need to start telling your story. I want you to also notice that not only is this story, an amazing story of Jesus healing a man. I asked you guys to repeat it. Who got out of the boat? Jesus. Jesus got out of the boat. But if you read all the gospel accounts of this story, it says that Jesus got out of the boat. But it doesn't say anything about who getting out of the boat. The disciples. And in fact, you go look at the Gospels over and over and over and over again in all these stories. You'll see, well, Jesus and his disciples went here. Jesus and his disciples did this. Jesus and his disciples went to this person's home. Jesus and his disciples did this. But this story, it doesn't say anything about any of his disciples getting out of the boat. It's not a they. It's not a them. It's not Jesus and his disciples. It's just Jesus. It's just Jesus. Why? Well, I know why. They're frozen. And they're scared. But what did we learn about last week? Wherever Jesus goes, if you're a tell me, if you're a disciple, wherever Jesus goes, what do you do? You go. Jesus' disciples should have been right there with Jesus. And they're not. They're not. They're afraid. They're frozen. They're scared. They're worried. Or maybe they even thought, maybe they thought, of course he's demon-possessed. He's a pagan. I'm not talking to him. We don't know. What we do know is they don't get out of the boat. And if we're going to make an impact, and if we're going to go with Jesus, you know what we got to do? Gotta get out of the boat. We gotta get out of the boat. It doesn't matter where Jesus goes. We gotta go with him. We've gotta get out of the boat and go with Jesus. And what's happened for a lot of us is Jesus has gotten out of the boat and he's healing people and he's doing stuff. And for some of you, you're hanging out in the boat and you're missing Jesus. You're missing what he could do. You're missing what you could see him do. You're missing what he could do inside of you and what he's calling you to. He's calling you to get out of the boat and wherever he goes, you go. And if that means even to dark places, then we go to dark places. And I want to tell you, as a church, we're going to keep going. Wherever Jesus calls us to, we're going to go. And whatever he's inviting us into, we're going to go. We're going to continue to have faith that Jesus is going to do a miracle. He's going to work. And I want to have a front row seat with what he's doing. Are you with me, church? I want to see a front row seat. I want to, I want to see it all. Even when I'm a little bit afraid. I want a front row seat. What about you? We're going to be a church that goes where other churches don't go. We're going to be a church that does things that other churches may not do. Why? Because we will reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. And whatever it takes, short of sin, we will do it. And the day, the day that we lose sight of that mission, the day that we begin to look inward and it be about 
us and not about the outsider, not about the person that needs healing. The day that we get our eyes focused on ourselves, not on Jesus and his children that want to be rescued, the day that we do that, the day we will lose God's blessing. Because the church is always supposed to be a people that welcome the outsider in. Are you with me this morning? We got to get out of the boat. And some of you need to get out of the boat. Well, the question we've got to ask ourselves is, did the disciples ever get that? Did they ever, did they ever grow? Because it's not always necessarily where you're at, but where you're going, right? Let's take a look at this story. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Another story. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. They're going, oh, oh, Okay. We've done this before. We're getting in a boat. We're going to the other side, right? Like, okay, all right, Jesus, here we go. Jesus dismisses the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. This time, he's throwing them a curveball. This time, he's like, all right, you guys go on the other side. I'm going to hang out up here on the hillside. And they're going, aren't we supposed to go with you? No, you you go to the other side. I'm going to go pray. So Jesus is praying. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them. Fourth watch of the night. Do you know what time that is? Three to six a.m. Jesus is like, hey, head to the other side. I'm going to go up here and pray. You head to the other side. And there, there rowing away winds coming up they're not getting anywhere you know how maddening that is i mean frustrated i mean you know how tired they're rotating right peter you get one hour he's like hour half hour like half hour they're rotating right (laughs) not getting anywhere three to six a.m exhausted and jesus he shows up walking on water walking on the sea and in fact another gospel account says that as he was walking he almost walked by him you know they're like struggling and he's just like you know well hey guys how's it going <laughs> what, what, what Jesus and they look and they don't even recognize him you know who they think he is? They're terrified. And what, is it, what do they scream? What's it say? It's a ghost. And it would make sense. It's in the sea. It's in the abyss. The darkness. That's where demons come from. Of course it's a ghost. We got Halloween part two all over again. <laughs> right? It's a ghost. When I hear that, I hear uh, Shaggy, Scooby-Doo. <laughs> it's a ghost. Right? <laughs> They cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And then Peter. Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked 
on water and came to Jesus. Peter walked on water. Peter, Jesus, if it's you, call to me. And Peter gets out of the boat and walks on water. Why? Because he can become like his, his what? His rabbi. And Peter believes and he trusts and he gets out of the boat and he walks on water. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Jesus, why do you doubt? Now, here's something to think about Who's Jesus talking about? Why do you doubt? I mean, Peter is walking on water, then sees the wind and the waves and gets afraid and starts to sink. And then he cries out to Jesus, who's still standing on the water, Lord, what's he say? Save me. Jesus is doing good. He's doing fine. And sure enough, Jesus saves Peter. Peter has the faith to believe that Jesus could save him and can stand on water and save him at the same time. Why do you have little faith? Is Peter doubting Jesus? Or is maybe Peter doubting himself? Lord, if it's you, call to me. Tell me to come. Jesus says, come. And he walks on water. And then he begins to doubt is he doubting Jesus? Jesus is standing on water. I don't think Peter's doubting himself or doubting Jesus. I think he's doubting himself. Did I, can I actually do this? Even in the midst of the storm? Can I actually walk on? Can I actually become like my rabbi? Peter begins to doubt himself and he begins to wrestle with can I actually do what Jesus is calling me to do, even in the midst of the wind and the storms and the waves that I see around me? And for some of you, you understand this feeling. You don't have any faith in yourself, any belief in yourself, and Jesus actually believes in you more than you believe in yourself. Jesus believes in you more than you actually believe in yourself. There's a Jewish proverb that says this, before you teach a child to believe in God, teach the child that God believes in them. That's why you're here. That's why you were born, every single one of you. You're born because God looked at the whole world and said, there's not someone like you, and I need someone like you. 
to partner with me to bring about my agenda to the world, to bring my children back, and God believes in you. Now, let's not get prideful with that because we all know we're not perfect, right? I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. In fact, we know how the story goes. Jesus creates, God creates, and who does he create to partner with? The first human beings? Who were the first human beings? Adam and Eve. Did he know? Was he surprised when they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil and they sinned against him? Was he surprised? Did he know? Then why did he create? Because he believed in them even though they sinned. Cain and Abel. Brokenness, right? But did he believe in them? Noah. Brokenness. But did he believe in Noah? Abram and Abraham. He said, you're going to be a blessing because you're going to be blessed. And because you're blessed, you're going to be a blessing. And my whole nation of Israel is going to come from you, Abraham. From you. And did he know that he was later going to go on to Egypt and lie about his wife and not have faith? Absolutely. Why? Did he still choose Abraham? Because he believed in him. And he believes in you. Do you believe that this morning? That God, Jesus, believes in you so much that he doesn't have a plan B for his mission, church. There is no plan B. Jesus and you, Jesus and us, Jesus and our church, we are plan A to help redeem and restore the world. You are plan A. We're plan A. By the grace of God, we get to partner with him to be about his purposes. And he's inviting us to get out of the boat and trust him. The question is, do you believe that Jesus believes in you more than you believe in yourself? And are you willing to get out of the boat and go wherever Jesus goes? We will go where Jesus goes as a church, which means we will go where others won't. We're not going to stay in our boat. We're going to keep risking and taking chances and living out our faith over and over and over again so that other people will come to know him. And for some of you, Jesus has been inviting you to get out of the boat. And for some of you, what that means is that there are people in your neighborhood that you know are alone. Tired, hurting, fill in the blank. People that are, I'm doing fine. And Jesus is inviting you to go and build a relationship with them. To listen to them. To courageously say, would you come over to my house and have dinner sometime? We'd love to have you over. To serve them. To share your story with them. Some of you, Jesus is inviting you to get connected into the family of God, a home group where you can be discipled, where you can courageously say, I need help. I have addiction. And I want to be broken of that addiction. And I need help. I need Jesus. I need his church. Some of you need to decide who Jesus is. Some of you need to get out of the boat and decide, I'm going to make Jesus my Lord. He's not just my Savior, He's my Lord. Wherever He goes, I'm going to go. 
Some of you, Jesus is inviting you to be equipped for a mission to serve and to impact the world in an amazing way. Some of you, Jesus is inviting you to actually love on others and disciple others, and you're scared to death. And Jesus is saying, come. Come get out of the boat. Staying in the boat without Jesus, it's not where the life is. It's not where real life is. It's wherever Jesus is at. He's inviting you to come. Follow me. As we wrap up and get ready for communion, I just want you to think about this question. As we get ready to have a meal together that represents Jesus' body and his blood, I just want to ask you, what, what boat is Jesus asking you to get out of? What boat is he asking you to get out of so you can follow him and go where he goes? Because here's the thing, you can't stay where you're at and go with Jesus. It's not how it works. And so what is that boat? What is that thing? Another story says that we talked about last week that they dropped their nets and followed Jesus. You remember that last week? They dropped their nets and they followed Jesus. Some of you guys need to drop a net. What is that net? Jesus has more for you. He has more for this church. And we, we get to steward what God has entrusted to us in hopes that many, many, not just hundreds, but thousands would come to know Jesus through this church. That's going to require you to get out of the boat. I'm telling you, I want our front row seat. What about you? Let's spend some time with Jesus as we get ready for communion.